I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, it was so. it kind of nerve wracking? To... Absolutely. Uh, very nerve wracking. Yeah. Like after the first one, especially, yeah. um, the first teacher book I wrote was The Balanced Teacher Path. And yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a solid sell, but it, for my first book, I was pleased. But moving forward, like I have some numbers that I want to hit. I have more people that I want to reach. Sold? Yeah, in terms of what's sold, like I, there's more people that I want to reach. If I'm gonna put the time and energy two to three years into researching, Jeez. reading, and writing, like I want it to impact you know yeah. several thousands of people if possible, as opposed to just a few hundred or a few thousand. So that's really yeah. the goal. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. All right. I mean, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, what's a few thousand, and. So what was the, um, was it a big increase on the second book? Because the second yeah. book, from when I was reading up on it, it's about teens and anxiety and how to deal with it and cope with sure. it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So the first one was really about balance, right? It's called okay. the Balanced Teacher Path. It's about teachers trying to find a balance in every dimension of their life. Okay. Because my story was one of teacher burnout. You know, while I was yeah. teaching you, while yeah. I was teaching a lot of other students, I loved that job. I enjoyed the profession, but I was putting like too much heart, too much energy into it, and yeah. not enough on my family, not enough on my friendships, my yeah. physical health. I wasn't exercising, uh, and then developed an addiction to prescription pills. So okay. uh, for me that book was a way to help myself but also to help other people because there's you may know this but about 50% of teachers quit within their first five years really so it's, okay. it was really a way to try to combat teacher burnout and is it from burnout is it just or is it led to from other things excellent like, excellent question pay is it like you know what I mean because that's and that's a big thing especially being yeah. a teacher uh, it's a number one complaint that a lot of teachers have that's a great um, question which you know it really isn't fair to them for sure Pay is a big part of it, man. Yeah. Like if you're going to work 50 to 60 hours a week, you know, you should be compensated for that fairly. So uh, pay is a big part, especially in North Carolina. The salaries are very stagnant. Okay. So they pay teachers a decent amount in their first few years, but it's step based. So every year you're supposed to make a little bit more money. Okay. Now in North Carolina, that little bit is like a tiny bit, like <laughs> 50 bucks, 50 bucks extra a month or you know, yeah. 75 for some teachers. So it's almost like they want you to yeah. uh, teach for a few years and then quit and then they can hire uh, younger teachers newer teachers pay them less money and then those teachers fizzle out after a few years because what that does is that yeah. saves the state money yeah. uh, that means lower you know tax pay or lower yeah. taxes that means more money to spend in other ways for the state right. but unfortunately it's it's a it's a big cost because once teachers become experienced once they yeah. become knowledgeable and they become skilled then they quit and they find another job so right. there's some great first-year teachers out there but they need Need time to find their style to find right. their voice and if we're constantly having this turnover it's only going to impact the kids it's right. only going to impact the kids because they're not having veteran experienced teachers so that was the first one I wanted to write about um, school life balance for the second one okay but uh, my my publicist and my um, editor they actually said like no no no, no teens don't really care about balance. Like a lot of teens are just 100% into whatever they're into. Yeah. So you gotta come up with a different topic. So my topic, it actually came to me during the pandemic when I was teaching a lot of okay. kids virtually. I had a lot of kids staying on the lesson with me after the lesson was over. They stayed on the video and they were really struggling, like struggling with anxiety, struggling yeah. with depression, struggling with addiction, mm. struggling with isolation and 
you know, depression and anxiety have always been an issue for kids, but it yeah. seemed like it was just skyrocketing, yeah. skyrocketing. So this one really attacks the idea of nihilism. And nihilism okay. is the belief that you, you probably know this, like nothing really matters. Like yeah. school doesn't matter. You know, my future doesn't matter. My family, my friends, my, my, my life. What's the point? What is the purpose of all this? Right. Um, and I think the trap that a lot of kids fall into is they start to carve their paths based on everyone else. You mm -hmm. got teachers that are telling you what you need to do. You got your parents telling you what you need yeah. to do. You got your friends. You got social media now that's telling you who you need to be and what you need to do. And you stop kind of living your authentic life. Yeah. You stop living like original. Yeah. And, and for other people. For other people rather than for yourself and yep. for your values. So exactly. So for me, that book is, you still, those voices matter. Many yep. of the, your parents, your teachers, your friends, like th those voices do matter, but they're not that ultimate voice. Right. They're not the ultimate voice. You are the ultimate voice. You are the one that's meant to carve your path. And once you describe and discover your values and your virtues and your vision for your life, uh, you can still take those voices into account, but that's when you actually do begin to blaze your own trail. And that's, mm. I believe, when you can dissipate nihilism, when you can get rid of that yeah. idea that your life doesn't matter, because your life does matter. Yeah. It matters to others, it should matter to you, um, and that's really the hope with the book, is that it helps teens blaze their own trail. Yeah, what do you think creates like the nihilism? Because um, I feel like, I mean, it's influence of people's thoughts, uh, it's just people you hang around. It's yep. it's it's, act, uh, it's attitude that people have about yeah. life and jobs and anything. Um, what but what is for you? What is what is that? So I think nihilism has always been there for a lot of people. Uh, I think nihilism during the pandemic. It, I mean, it was like, what is the point, man? What is the point? <laughs> yeah. Like these students, yeah. I felt my heart broke for the teens, yeah. man, because especially the seniors because the they seniors. missed out on a lot the senior year. They did sports like a lot, yeah. and it was like the second year of COVID when <clears throat> when things started kind of going back in. Yep. So like my year, for instance, got to kind of, yeah. know, we got to see it. Um, but the seniors did not, and I feel bad for those guys because yeah. they missed out on a lot of those opportunities that they'll never get back. I mean, all that you get to experience your last year, right? You have your, your, your senior dance, you know, you have your high school sports and, yep. and just the whole vibe of just being the top dogs in the school. Yeah. And now you're right. staring at a computer screen every day right. you <laughs> right. by yourself in your room. Yeah. yeah. So nihilism, I think, really took over for a lot of people there, okay. but it lingered. That's the problem for me is like once the pandemic ended and once we went back to school and once we went back to some version of normal yeah. like a lot of teens didn't shake that idea that school doesn't matter life doesn't matter uh our future doesn't matter this yeah. is all just burning everything's just burning right. and we're just kind of here for the ride so i just want kids to have a deeper purpose and a deeper sense of conviction and an understanding of who they are yeah. and um, i think a lot of kids feel that they're not intelligent i think a lot of kids yeah. feel that they're stupid right now uh, because there's a gap in learning there was a gap in education yeah and uh, that's something i'm trying to work with teens on is uh, Dr. Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences, okay. which says that every single kid is smart. They're just smart in certain ways. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. like for me, like I'm terrible with numbers. I'm terrible with math, right? I'm not good with that mathematical mind, but I'm good with using my hands for sports. I'm a decent right. basketball player. Yeah. I play football. I box. So I'm a kinesthetic learner. You, I mean, you've probably got a lot of the intelligence, right? But <laughs> to me, it, it, it always seemed like you were an interpersonal learner. Like you're good interacting with people. You're good with yeah. um, connecting with others, uh, but also existential, right? Which is philosophy and like trying to look at the deeper meaning of 
why yeah, the deeper 100%. meaning of things and not just surface level stuff. 100%. So, but when we try to teach kids and we try to teach them, okay, do these numbers, take this test, read this passage, answer these questions. We're only teaching to mathematical learners yeah. and linguistic learners, mm -hmm. but there's actually like 10 or 11 different forms of intelligence. So our schools have got to do a better job of it. Yeah. Teachers like me have to do a better job of it, uh, helping kids understand you are smart. And just because you made straight A's in school doesn't mean that you're going to yeah. succeed as an adult. Like, yeah. they're, they're like <laughs> right. you, can, you can make yeah. B's and C's and D's and work your hardest in school, and then you still come out and, and you find a new, a new path or create a new path where you can be very successful. Yeah. Even though you're not a great reader, even though you're not a great test taker, you can still thrive. Yeah, 100%. There's a, um, I don't know if you know who Gary Vee is, okay. but he talks about like using laziness as a key to know what you like. He's like, I was lazy, but I didn't like it. Yeah. Like, but I'm not lazy with the thing I like doing. There you go. And I think that's the same thing with, with teaching and like learning um, is it's different ways. People don't like math. Well, maybe they're not taught math the same way or maybe they're hands-on yeah. learner or maybe they're differently. And that's I true. think that's the difference where like you said, a lot of kids think they're stupid because there's only one way. That's right. <clears throat> Especially in the, whether what field, no matter what field you're in, I noticed that it's very one-way thinking. Yes. It's just, and a lot of people, there's multiple, there's no one-way thinking. For sure. And I think a lot of people get over-told what they are, um, or they're told what they're, uh, they're not, yep. when they really don't know, because they haven't had the opportunity to open it up. Exactly. And then they grow up, graduate high school, and then they're put into this life, being like, do this, do this, do this, and yep. not being able to learn anything on their own, because now they're yeah. jumping in. I love that insight, man, and I agree with that 100%. There's actually a, a concept I talk about in the book. It's, um, it's on the multiple intelligences chapter, but it talks about elephants. And I don't know if you've ever wondered this before, but you've probably seen like the, the elephants at a circus or you've yeah. seen videos where these elephants are being ushered around mm -hmm. by humans, yeah. right? And it's like, how does this small human right. control this giant elephant? Yeah. And it's with a rope, and it's with this little rope and the way that they do it is when they capture these elephants in the wild, these baby elephants, they actually tie them to a pole. Okay. And at the beginning, the baby elephants struggle. Like they try to like break the rope, they try to, to, to pull out the pole um, and make that, uh, that effort to, to go back into the wild and, and uh, they can't do it. Yeah. So after a few times of doing it, they think there's no way I'm ever gonna break this rope. I'm never gonna yeah. break through this pole. They stop trying. And then they become adults, and yeah. they're the this large, massive, strong creature. Yeah. But they believe that this rope is more powerful than them. Yeah. And that's what education, <clears throat> and that's what this idea of you're not intelligent, you're a C student, you're not you're not a smart person. That's what it becomes for a lot of students yeah. when they become adults, right. and they still believe that mindset of learned helplessness. Back when they were young, whether a teacher told them that or an EOG test told them yeah. that, and it's really not true. You are strong enough to break through and break free from those ropes of ignorance uh, and discover the way that you are intelligent and yeah. then move forward back into the wild and, and express yourself and live your life. Yeah, I think that's very important because, yeah. um, like I said, it, it gets a lot of people. Yep. Um, because a lot of people, you know, and realistically, I feel like, at least in my terms and what I've seen, is a lot of people like to be negative. Sure. It's easy. Sure. And then when it's, it's just like a spider web effect, like when you're negative, it leads into someone else's bad day and then it just keeps going. Yep. And I feel like that also doesn't lead to like accountability and just terms of like, if you're always negative, you, you don't really take a step back to bed. Yeah. 
you complain and, about someone else, but you don't complain about yeah. like what you need to work yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that like it just keeps going and you're just in this world of just negative and mm -hmm. acting, you're just going with the motions, you're just swaying. Yep. And like I said, the kids they're just they're upset and they don't know why, or they're hanging around with the wrong crowd because like I said, you are who you hang out with. Yeah. You are the average of the five people. Yeah, right, right. Um <laughs> and that can mean so many things, you know what I mean? But a lot of yeah. people are just not hanging out with the right person or people yeah. in group or leaders or whatever. Sure. And um, it just affects people a lot. Absolutely. And especially with the moving in the storm. Like they think they said there was, I was reading up something yesterday and they were talking about, I guess the eagle, the bald eagle is the only eagle okay. that goes into the storm. And like all the birds, oh, they can tell if there's a storm okay. coming. And they can tell if there's a storm coming and everyone, all the other birds, they'll, they'll yeah. fly away. They run away, yeah. they hide. And the eagle's the only one that's like faces it. In other words, like I love it. you gotta be the eagle. You gotta face adversity. I love you gotta it. go because if you just keep going back, people are pushing you Absolutely. and you're just going to be told what to do. You're going to be told where to go. Um, I love that metaphor. You have to go forward. I love it, man. Thank you. That's why the, the American mascot is the bald eagle, right? Yeah. Cause we go, we go into yeah. the storm, right? <laughs> yeah, we go World war two, like whatever, <laughs> right. like we're going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it like, it's those little things that, um, like you, f you hear that and you're like, I see it's so true. Like, yeah. you know, you're not an eagle. Right. But you can have the attitude of one. You, you can, can still go mindset. into it. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah, thank it's you. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so can you break down uh, for people that maybe not know, because yeah. I don't really know exactly what it is. What, what is anxiety? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's a misguided friend. Anxiety mm -hmm. is a friend who will show up on your path, who cares about you, who is a little worried about you, and who, who is genuinely trying to look out for you. Problem is they talk way too much. Okay. <laughs> anxiety, okay. anxiety talks way too much okay. and they don't listen enough. Yeah. And sometimes the reason that they don't listen is because we don't speak back to them and hold the conversation with them. So for me, my anxiety uh, has always come in the form of you're not enough, you can't do this, you're gonna fail, you're, you're not gonna have enough of this, you're not gonna have enough of that, this is what people think of you if you do this and that. And what I've learned over time with my anxiety is that it's not my goal to get rid of it. It's not my goal to yell back at it. It's not even my goal to get angry with the anxiety. Yeah. The goal is to just hold the conversation. So be willing to talk back and refute some of those claims in a friendly, respectful way. Yeah. Oh, this is not going to work out for you. This person's not going to like you. Well, if you think about it, you know, you actually do have a lot of friends. You have a lot of people who care about you. Mm -hmm. And even if you make a mistake, they'll probably forgive you. Right. Yeah, but, you know, with uh, all the things that are going on in your health, you know, people are going to look down on you if you talk about, you know, things going on in your personal life and you're open about all those things. People are going to look down on you. I hear you. I hear you. People might look down on me a little bit if I talk about addiction or depression, but it also might lift a lot of people up who are in the same space and who are struggling with the same thing. So I think I'm just going to put myself out there. I'm going to put my story out there and I'm going to be real and I'm going to be honest with people and have the right mindset and the right heart about it. So you have these conversations with anxiety and eventually... Uh, they'll stop asking questions and okay. they'll kind of go their own way okay. uh, if you don't give them too much attention or and okay. if you don't give them too much time to speak. So that's my experience with anxiety. Okay. I know for some people it can be a little um, 
less controllable or less interactive, but that's my goal is to just hold the conversation with anxiety. As long as they want to ask questions and talk, we'll talk and then okay. they'll mosey about and do their own thing eventually. And I'm sure they'll show up down the road again and I'll be ready to be ready yeah. to talk. So do you think that can be trained in the mind? Cause I was actually talking to uh, one of my friends from my group. She messaged me the other yeah. day and she does public speaking class and all that yeah. stuff. And she was, she mentioned something about like just feelings. Yeah, she's like felt lonely sometimes and um, has anxious and anxiety. And I told her, I was like, you know, I was like, it's like uh, if they're unmanaged, they can be dangerous. Absolutely. But if you have an open mind, like you said, have those conversations with yourself. They're telling you things. If you're lonely, it's telling you something. If you're anxious, why are you anxious? What are you feeling deep down to to feel that way? It's Mm. telling you something. But a lot of times, even me, like everyone does it, I ignore them. Or, yeah, you know, I have anxiety. I'm just gonna chill in my room. Like I don't know why I'm stressed. Maybe about finances or yeah. where where I'm gonna be tomorrow. The people I'm gonna meet or whatever sure. the case yeah. is. Um, and just kind of we the uh, kind of just throw it away. Just kind of like it'll be fine. Absolutely. We sit there and we let it sit. Um, but I think if you take it head on, you really have an open mind to it because yep. you have to have an open mind for opinions. You yeah, have to have yeah. an open mind for opinions. And yep. even with yourself, you have to have an open mind. You have to have those conversations with yeah. yourself. So you have to be like, like, why am I feeling like this? Yeah. Um, and I told her that. I was like, you know what I mean? Build up comes from stress and anxiety. I feel yep. built up with all these emotions because yep. we're not having those conversations. Yep. We're not talking. And I kind of told her that. And uh, she was like, that's true. And I was like, I just think that's so important to kind of mm-hmm. just listen and be like, it's okay yep. to feel this. Because you said they're never going to go away. Right. Like you, they're never going to They're always going to be there. Right. But for a reason. Yeah. Whether they're good or bad, I just feel like we kind of make out what they're going to be. Sure. That's my opinion. I agree with that. And that's where, you know, people say you're crazy if you, you talk to yourself. But for me, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I do too, right? It's so and, and that's the most sane thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. That's the most sane thing you can do with anxiety is actually talk to I'm yourself. <laughs> right? Talk so Let's much. do it. Then yeah. You're winning. You're winning if you're, if you're talking cool. to yourself. If you're Stay having around. those conversations, you're not crazy. You're <laughs> not psychotic. You know, and I think I think you're handling the anxiety in a great way. It's called emotional regulation. You're figuring out how to battle and kind of how to work through those emotions. So I love it, man. Awesome. Killing it. <laughs> yeah, I was even talking here. I was like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna yeah. enter? How am I gonna yeah. open the podcast? When am I? Yeah. I was just like, I'm gonna let it go. Yes, I just, yes. I'm not gonna talk to myself. Yeah, alright, y'all. You, okay, yeah, you're doing good, man. Okay, that's good to know. Um, so you said. Um, if you want to talk about it, but yeah. you said you uh, struggle with like a substance abuse. Yeah. How did you get into that? What was it? Was it the was it workload? Was it just a yeah. uh, ba- in, imbalance of family and like you know because obviously you got a wife and kids. Yeah, is an imbalance of that. Like what was that like thing for you? Because I think a yeah. lot of people struggle with addiction. For sure. And I think a lot of people think addiction is alcohol or drugs. Right. And it's not. It's anything that takes control of you. Absolutely. So it could be social media. It could be pornography. Yep. It could be food. It could be anything. And I think yeah. that's a broader to- topic of anxieties. Or um, of addiction is yeah. it's, it's broad, sure, and that you're not the only one going through it. And a lot of people are quiet about it. But if yeah. everyone told you what they're going through, you're yeah. going to realize like, oh, this is actually wow. pretty normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, when I was in my group, I, we were kind of open up about everything, and I realized all the guys had the same common like problem. Like yeah. they're all like they all got uh, um, exposed to pornography at a young age. Yep. And it was like they feel so lonely, but it's every there's like probably twelve men, and everyone was like, oh yeah, yeah. And they all, wow. and it was like that safety net of knowing that like oh. I'm genuinely not alone. Yeah. Like you feel alone and you know that other people deal yeah. with it, but until you sit in a room and you're like, everyone's here and there's no judgment, yeah. you realize like, oh, it's okay. And that's a way to break down the stigma of it. You know, yeah. and I love that. Uh, for me, you know, I really started, I would say, as the, the Teacher of the Year awards kind mm-hmm. of started to progress because what they don't tell you about those awards is, and I'm grateful for them, yeah. um, 
you have extra work that you have to do on top of that, okay. right? And there's a higher expectation now that you've earned them to do more at the school, to do more public speaking, to do more trainings for other teachers. You have to go to interviews to see if you're gonna go further up in the teacher of the year process. And I would say, man, I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform at a high level for my students, for my uh, principal, for my community, for their the, the kids' parents. And that pressure, I allowed it to really get to my head. Mm -hmm. uh, I allowed it to um, really drain me of my energy. So what I was looking for was a way to continue being a successful teacher, being an effective teacher at whatever cost. Yeah. There's a saying that they, it'll be on teacher posters. You'll see it across schools if you go to uh, teachers' lounges and it says, whatever it takes. Okay. Whatever it takes. And for me, first several years that. as a teacher, it was like, whatever it takes. <clears throat> Took the yeah, if it, yeah, whatever it takes. If it takes me going to the maximum dosage of Adderall that I'm legally allowed to take by my doctor and right. prescribed to most people, I'll do it. You know, even though it's keeping me up for an entire night, giving right. me maybe one or two hours of sleep, even if it's giving me headaches and migraines, even if I'm not eating and I'm in a very low weight because of it, uh, that that's the path that happened for me. So it started with the Adderall, which I, you know, I took legally the whole time. Like I was prescribed yeah. by a doctor, yeah. but still, I don't think I was using it in a healthy way. And that's where it became a dependency. It became an addiction. And it wasn't just the Adderall in the end. It was also uh, the Ambien because I was trying to get a couple hours of sleep at night. So I was prescribed that and I was taking that, but it was making me like just really kind of loopy during the day. Yeah. And it, I just wasn't myself. I wasn't, I was not really functional. And then the Xanax during the day to kind of cope with the side effects of yeah. the Adderall with the headaches, the migraines, uh, and just kind of wanting to be alone after school. Mm -hmm. So, and it was all three of those. It was, it was a toxic kind of chemical mix that was going on in my body. So after I was the North Carolina teacher of the year for the history channel and then for the social studies, I was just working nonstop and I just couldn't do it anymore. So the next year I finished out the school year, I finished out the last day. I got to the first day of summer and you know, I had like a hundred dollars in my bank account. Yeah. Um, my wife <clears throat> was looking into separating. I wasn't spending time with my son. He's an amazing kid. And I was not, I was spending more time with students than I was with, with my own child. And, and uh, I was addicted to those, those pills. So, you know, what else was I to do? Right. I, I, I knew that the path needed to change, but I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take my own life. I didn't want to do that. I knew that this path was at a dead end. So it's either end your life or create a new path. So wow. that's what I did. But the hard part was <laughs> beginning to trudge <laughs> through the, the forest and beginning to, yeah. to cut down and, and, and uh, make my way through, through a, a dark forest. And that was by going to rehab. So I went to voluntarily to a rehab facility. I stayed there. How for, long after you started? Uh, was it a while? Were you dealing with it for a while or was it a couple months? Dealing or? with it for a while. Yeah, I would say it, I was you know, addicted to Adderall for several years oh, yeah wow. addicted to it for several years and and i functioned as best i could but you know every few years or every few months we had to go up in dosage because mm -hmm. the my body would become tolerant yeah. you start at 10 milligrams and you go to 20 and you go to 40 and then i topped off at 60 milligrams which wow. is the high like i said the highest dose mm -hmm. i believe you're allowed to give from a doctor and my doctor i loved i love my doctors they were trying to help me it just it wasn't useful for my body so but rehab yeah after 
dealing with that for several years. I was in there for about a week. Really helpful nurses, really helpful doctors. Uh, got me on an antidepressant so I could kind of pull off these other medications. Okay. And it was dark, man. That first summer, bro, to try to <laughs> 11 years of, of, yeah. of using that, that medication and then just cold turkey. Yeah. I bet it, it was, it was withdrawals and yes, the withdrawals. Yeah, it was, it was a struggle, man. Cause most people taper off of it, but I just wasn't in the space where I ever wanted to touch it again. But you feel like you need to have it again. And that's the, that's the trick of the, the addiction. But, um, I, I got a beautiful gift that summer. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, Savannah, was born, yep. and uh, she was born on an interesting day, which is okay. uh, July 7th, 7-7. And if you think about the number seven in, you know, in, in scriptural texts, yep. it's, you know, seven is the perfect number. It's the divine yeah. number. It's God's number. Yeah. Uh, seven days in a week. Uh, seven is the lucky number in Vegas. And for me, seven was this uh this this i guess gift from god or this this vision from god that uh your life your old life is over and a new life is beginning yeah, born again. and you're born again <clears throat> you are reborn as a, as a new person you're not just mr ashley anymore yeah you're also justin yeah. you're also a father yeah. you're also a husband yeah. right and uh so so after that i joined a boxing gym okay. and i knew i was going to have to fight my way back to health and i showed up there every day some days it was like yeah. I just got to get to the gym i got to be able to wrap my hands if i can wrap my hands with and get my gloves on you know, my body and my trainers will take care of the rest. And I fought my way back, made a full recovery, totally clean, haven't taken Adderall ever since. Uh, and my wife and I are great now. We've recovered. We went to marriage counseling. I spent a lot of time with my kids. I still love teaching. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm back in the classroom, but it's very structured. And I do my best to turn it off when I leave. I've never gotten another teacher of the war, a year award again. Yeah. I don't want it. I want to be dad of right. the year. I want to be husband of the year. Yeah. And, and realistically, the rewards, sorry to interrupt, the rewards you, go ahead. The rewards you yes. don't see. Yes. Like it's, they're not public, but they're the ones that really matter. They are. In other words. They're the ones that truly matter. You're spot on with that. And they matter not just for that year, but for the remainder of my life and my kids' lives, right? And, and, and my wife and my friends. And, and that's really the bigger picture for me. So I'm really happy with where I'm at. I'm really grateful yeah. uh, for where I'm at. But uh, man, it was, it was a tough, yeah. tough road. It was a tough trail that I had to kind of build uh, yeah. on my own. I got a lot of help too. Yeah, know, that's but, good. Yeah. So obviously it's a support system. Um, mm. There's like so many things I could, I could ask questions about. Yeah. So one, how do you know, like when you, what was to the point where you're like, oh, I'm addicted? Yeah. Because obviously, like, yeah. you know, it's the things that sucks about prescription drugs. It's like they're great, but at the same time, they have a lot of negatives. Sure. Um, and which is sucks. You know what I mean? There's side effects. But like, what was that point where you're like, I uh, was like 40, like, you know what I mean? Because a lot yeah. of people don't know they're an addiction, but you realize you've yeah. been the whole time. You're just not cognitive of it. You're not. And you realize when you realize you're in it when you're deep in it. Yes. And you're like, whoa. And it just there's like days you can just be sitting down. And you're like, oh, it yeah. got me. And you don't even know if, yeah. you know what I mean? So how, what was that like? Mm, I love that question, man. It's a slippery slope because yeah. you don't, you don't go out and That's not what they're for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what they're for. That's not. I mean? That's not. So <laughs> I think for me, it's like you're looking for, you're looking for patterns, right? Yeah. As uh, someone who is evaluating your environment, you're looking for trends. So if you have a family member who's pointing this out to you, and you're missing a lot of days of work, and you're having all these negative side effects, and you have a friend who also is concerned, then you start to see patterns with these people in these groups and these organizations who aren't connected, mm -hmm. and they're all sending you the same message. They're all saying, you have a problem, right. what's your solution? And how can we, in many cases, how can we help you towards your solution? Yeah. So I got that 
from a lot of people, but my problem was I didn't listen until it was too late. Right. Like I, until I literally couldn't function. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I made the call and I went to rehab. Did my, your wife know the whole time? My wife knew the whole time. My wife was trying to encourage me to, to, to get support and get help, but I was trying to strong arm success. And I had a good reason for it too. It was like, yeah. well, honey, like I got to do this for my students. My students yeah. need me. My, some of these kids, you know, they don't have a, a mom or they don't have a dad. They look up to me yeah. and you know, this is, this is the right, this is the right path for me. And the reality is like your body doesn't care about your intentions. Like it right. only cares about your actions. Yeah. You know, like it was just my action of like taking it. So it doesn't matter. Like some people drink alcohol and, 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 and smoke and do drugs because of the feeling that it gives them. Right. For me, it was just like, I want to be effective. I want right. to be great at my job and I want to help others. But so it you doesn't use it really for matter. focus. I'm using it for focus. focus I, I did. No. Right. I, I see. So I see yeah. what you mean. It wasn't like a, an edge. I'm going to go home, drink, yeah. smoke, take an edge. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was no. a blind side of it. Whereas, like, realistically, if you smoke or drink, you know that you're going to get addicted. Spot on. Just realistically, you know, yeah. if you do it, uh, at least with a cigarette, you, you will be. Yeah. Where you're smoking, that wasn't even your intent. Right. Which sucks because it just hit you. And like you said, you harder. found it when you were in it. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. You got it. Wow. So, because um, you mentioned, and this is where I feel like comes, um, this is where I feel like talking to people is important, unless, unless it's to happen, but like I said, you got, would get it for your doctors, your doctors are great. Yeah. As soon as you walked away, he had no idea. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a big thing is telling people, because you never, one, you never, that just shows you right there that you don't know who's going through something in a day. Sure. Whether that's kids or students, that's yeah. why it's always important, and that's why you're so good at what you do. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you've it. made the impact <laughs> you've made on my life. Thank you, Is man. because you realize that, and you have that not single-minded thought you have the open mind be like hey someone's going through something yeah that you know these people don't have a father or mother that that impacts people yeah and you're not defined of who they are what they do or sure. how they've grown up that you take it you take it head on and go it's okay yeah and i think that's so important um and you know pretty much is like the impact like you've made on me thank you man like it's crazy man of i course. enjoyed it dude of course you were a phenomenal student <laughs> and you. you've grown into an amazing young man dude. thank you absolutely so yeah. i'm inspired by you equally thank you for everyone that doesn't know uh, we haven't talked since i was like five years old <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute this is the first time i was i was taller than you <laughs> yeah. last time i saw you and now yeah. you're like a foot taller than me yeah and i first. feel like a little dwarf <laughs> <laughs> last time i saw him was in 07 so we both got nice time. beards though we yeah, both have yeah. really nice beards yeah and I got to say it too, man. I'll never forget. Yeah. I remember when you came on assembly yeah. and you were uh, dressed up as Hannah Montana. There we go. <laughs> I can edit that The shorts were a little too yeah. short. <laughs> you had the wig. I don't even know what song it was. Party in the USA. Right. Was yeah. I... <laughs> I'll edit that if you want, but I never forgot that. You might be scarred for life from that, man. <laughs> you might be scarred. <laughs> I never forgot it, so, so we, we, can, we can say whatever with that, you know? Oh my gosh. I remember that. Yeah, that was great. Um, I lost train of thought. I'm not going to lie. What has had the Im biggest impact on you in your career? Because yeah. um, I know there's a lot of yeah. different things you can kind of tie into that. Yeah, the biggest impact on my career? Yeah. Uh, so I would say it was actually a book my dad gave me. It was uh, when I was in college and it was my first year in college. You know, partied a little bit, you know, <laughs> nothing crazy, but yeah. I just wasn't really into my classes, wasn't... Um, you know, unfortunately getting great grades. And I was on the midst of losing my scholarship, which was teaching fellow scholarship to get four, you know, four years of paid for for college as long as I teach for four years. Okay. And I needed a 2.25 to 
keep it, and I got a 2.24 in ah. the first semester. So, the you were there. yeah, I was close. I was <laughs> yeah, skimming by, right? Yeah. And um, so, anyway, the the uh, director of the teaching fellow, she she called me in her office. She said, "You got to get it together. You know, it, I need you to step up your game. You can do this. I'm not going to send you home, but you got one more semester to turn things around." So, my dad, when I got home from that semester. He knew about my grades. I thought he was gonna just chew me out, you know, spit, chew me up, spit me out. And he actually handed me a book. And the book was called The Traveler's Gift, and it's by Andy Andrews. And it's a book about uh, a, a young man who's going through a difficult time. He's contemplating uh, his life, contemplating suicide. He gets into a car wreck and he wakes up and he meets seven people from the past okay. that are famous historical figures. And each one of these historical figures teach him a life lesson. So he meets Anne Frank okay. uh, when she's in the annex. He meets uh, Harry Truman when he's trying to make the decisions about World War II. He meets King Solomon in the okay. Bible, yeah. and it's like all this wisdom locked into it. But I, what I learned from that is that you can actually use your past to elevate your future because this guy learns these lessons, and then in the book, I won't you know ruin mm -hmm. it for you, but he, he completely turns his life around just by knowing history and just by studying history. So for me, I changed uh, my minor to history after reading okay. that book, and I committed to wanting to teach history once I got older. And then in my career, it's been a, like a, a falling in love with teaching history and falling in love with learning history and then passing that to my students. So for me, that career, my career has been you know, ultimately defined by my dad and wow. by a book that he gave me when I didn't really have a path forward and didn't see it. And the cool thing about Andy Andrews, the guy who wrote it, is both of his parents died when he was 19. Wow. And he was homeless in Alabama and he was living under a pier and some random guy showed up and gave him three library books of three famous people, three, okay. th three biographies. And after he read those three books, he went back and he read 200 biographies. And then he wow. wrote, and then he wrote The Traveler's Gift. Wow, okay. And you know, now he's actually, um, he's met with multiple presidents. He's given presidents advice. He meets with business owners, CEOs, does all these trainings, coaches, coaches them up. Like yeah. it's just, and that's really what I'm trying to do on a much smaller scale is, is to try to, to you know, know, help people know their past so they can own their present and elevate their future. That's good. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned your dad, and as soon as you said it, yeah. I was like, you have to be just like your dad. Because <laughs> you said when you came home with a lower yeah. GPA, you thought yeah. your dad was going like, to scold you and things yeah. like that, but instead he gave you wisdom. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's where, like, right there, like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. that's just, I think that's your biggest gift you have. Is, I appreciate uh, You that. can analyze things. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And it's that almost like we all do it. It's that fear. Because yeah. when you do something wrong, people, there's fear of getting in trouble. There is. And that's not getting in trouble with being disciplined. You can be disciplined, but doing it in a different way. Yeah. Um, but it's also being like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and you said that with your dad. And I was like, you're just like, <laughs> never met your dad, but you got to be just like your dad. Because uh, that's exactly what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I can just tell, you know what that I mean? That means a lot, man. That yeah, really means a lot. And um, it, you're right, you know, because he could have shamed me in that moment. He could have pushed me into into fear or you know threatened me but he's like no this we're gonna we're gonna teach our way through this and we're gonna we're gonna learn something new and um you know believe it or not uh unfortunately my dad passed away about a year and a half ago and yeah and uh but I'm glad you asked that question I'm glad I got to share that story yeah. because in, in in an essence that's that's really how he lives on 
you yeah. know, through these conversations yeah. and and through the way uh, that he impacted me. And I've got his picture right over there yeah. of us together. And uh, he changed my life, man. Yeah, he absolutely changed my life. And and that's how what a good father does. It's those small moments. It's not you don't really know what it's going to be or when it's going to happen, but it's just being there. Yeah. It's just showing up. It's just being there. And, and hoping that something that you pass on, whether it's a book, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's a lesson, whether it's a gift, you hope that that stays with them and resonates with them. And there's a million things that my dad has told me over the years where, you know, I've probably forgotten or haven't yeah. used, but there's going to be something somewhere that it's going gonna, it's gonna to sink in. So I encourage all parents, mom, dad, whoever you are, just be there, show up. It's the small conversations, it's the small gifts, it's the little things that will make a big difference in their lives. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, there was someone that they were talking about, um, it was a Christian guy, I think a youth leader, he was saying, he was like about impacting people. Yep. He's like, it's often the times that we don't know when we're impacting somebody, it's probably when you're impacting the most. Yep. Your dad, I, I've never met him, but I'm sure yeah. he didn't wake up every day and was like, I'm going to be really nice with you're this. Right. Because <laughs> that's what's gonna, I just, that's probably yeah. how he was as a human. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like it said, we eight. learn from watching and like actions yeah it's really your actions you know what i mean where it's That's like it. things can t people can tell you things you're gonna forget it yeah but just how's my dad deal with conflict oh he deals with that and you pick up on it yeah my dad treat other humans and you just you grow up in it because he's not yeah. trying to be fake to be like right. i gotta prove a point that's just who he is as a that's, person. that's who he is authenticity and, right yeah, yeah. And we learn from authenticity not trying hard yeah you know what i mean well we said. can we can pick that up like people can pick that up fast like you're trying to do this you know For what sure. i mean like i've learned just from seeing people and wisdom, yep. you know, and even starting, I'm sure your dad's, your grandpa was probably very similar yep. and just goes down on a line. Pass that down. Because things are generational. Um, behaviors and everything is generational. For sure. Um, addiction is generational. Like yep. it's, it can be, it can be at least. Um, yeah. But there's always that one person that yep. is like, I'm breaking it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that just goes from looking and observing how people are as humans and just, you know, surrounding yourself, back to that, but surrounding yourself as, yeah. or surrounding yourself with good people. I love that perspective. So, I agree. Yeah. Of course. So what has been the most rewarding thing in terms of uh, being a father? Oh, man. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, I guess it would, would be progress. I, mean, I guess like seeing seeing progress in my, in my, my kids, um, both as students, like academically, okay. uh, but also um, on the court, on the basketball court for my son, Cole, on the soccer field yeah. for my daughter, uh, Savannah, and just like genuine character, like value. Uh, there was a, a time when Cole was a little kid and he was maybe three or so, three or four, and we were at Target. And uh, there was this other kid, maybe two years old, that was literally having this tantrum. Okay. Just screaming on yeah. the aisle, like because <laughs> oh, they weren't getting a toy. Yeah. You know, they were so upset. Their parents had told them no, and Cole, you know, left me and ran over to the other aisle. And when I get around the aisle, I look at him, and he's actually kind of hugging this kid. He's putting his arm around him, and he's like, "I know, buddy. Like, I'm so sorry. You're not getting your toy. Wow. It's gonna be okay. Maybe you'll get it next time." And just comforting that kid. Yeah. So uh, for me, it's it's moments, I guess, as a dad, when you see that value that you try to embody yeah. are also being embodied by your kids. And it's not something we explicitly, to your point earlier, taught him right. to say, hey, if you're in Target and you see a kid <laughs> cry, yeah. I go with your arm around. Yeah, right. It's just like empathy, yeah. right? And, and, and kindness, loving kindness and going out of your way to not be focusing on a toy that, that you want, but be seeing the pain in someone else who's not getting a toy that they get and being there for them and being present with them. So it's moments like that. And there's so many moments with my daughter where she's mm -hmm. doing things with our dog or our cat or other, other kids at school. 
and it just uh it shows you up as a parent man it really does it it makes me grateful that i have gotten onto this path because if i was still teaching if i was still you know addicted to the adderall if our family had split up i don't think i would be having these same joys as a father and seeing yeah. seeing them grow firsthand yeah you know Wow. Yeah, you said empathy, and I think yeah. that's a big thing. Do you think, um, at least I, I feel like, and maybe I could be using the wrong words, I feel like sometimes you can have an over-empathy attitude. Sure, sure. Um, in terms of you will drop everything for yourself. Yep. To never then focus on yourself yeah. and other people. <laughs> uh, I know I do that sometimes, and yeah. it's always hard. It's like I have these like like moments where it's like, if you're a very demanding person, I'm not good with that. Sure. Like if you're demanding, I, I will butt heads and I'll turn away. Sure. I won't listen. Um, it's better now, but there's still that, like even with jobs. Yeah. So I do my own thing. Right. When I had jobs, and if you tell me what to do, I'm good. But if you demand, it's bad. Right. Um, but there's also times where it's like, if someone's hurting and they're not, they don't have the attitude, like I'm very yep. like, I'll overdo it. So it's like, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser, but then I could for that scenario. Yeah. But then I look at other people and I'm like, I am a people pleaser sometimes. Yeah. Because I can see myself getting hurt and burned or pain. Like it just, whatever it is. And yeah. Do you think that's true or? I do. I think it's an interesting space to be in because you want to be empathetic enough to feel what that person's feeling, but you also want to be logical enough to be able to help that person and speak wisdom into them and also to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. Right? Because if you're not if you're not in the space of logic and reason and mm -hmm. calm and ration, if you're just crying as much as they're crying and you completely take on that feeling of, you know, sadness or feeling of depression or whatever, you're just like them in a sense. Mm. And you're not yeah, a, you're good. not you're you're not in, in an aerial viewpoint of their emotion where you can speak wisdom to it. So I think that this it's this it's a situational empathy, right? And I think Brene Brown calls it cognitive empathy, where you connect with the person on a feeling level, uh, but you also remain in control of your emotions, emotional regulation, and you're trying to speak ration into mm -hmm. a heavily emotional conversation. So, but you, you're right, man, because that's what got me into a lot of trouble as a teacher is like, I was empathizing with everyone yeah. except myself. And I don't know, you said like, <laughs> maybe that's how you've been before too. Like you care so much about everyone, but not about yourself. Like Marcus Aurelius. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, like I love, I love Stoicism. Marcus, I don't know. Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius is the yep. man, dude. He's the man. And he's, you yep. know, the great philosopher king. And he says it's, yep. it shocks him that um, we care more about ourselves than other people, but we care more about what other people think of us than ourselves. Yeah. So, so really, like, I need to make sure my empathy is not also to, to just get attention or to get mm -hmm. them to like me or to approve of me that I already have that internal validation. Uh, and that, I, that I'm doing things that, that help me love myself and are self-care based. Uh, and then once I've filled that space and filled that cup, then I can be somewhat empathetic and somewhat supportive and encouraging, yeah. but I'm not gonna die on that. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna sacrifice my life on the altar of empathy, yeah. right? I'm gonna be empathetic in a sustainable way that, that is empathetic towards others, but is also empathetic towards me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, a, um, and you have to be, this word is so, I, I say it now yeah. because I kind of, I understand it and I hear a lot of other people talking about it, but I always use the word selfish because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, yeah. it's very negative. Like I was, right. most I was a negative word. And then I yeah. realized like, um, you have to be selfish. Yeah. That's not being greedy. That's not being right. arrogant. That's not being, that's not, that's not what selfish means. Right. It just means taking care of yourself. First. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because you know what I mean? Like my old church, we'd be like, you know, him, you and someone else, but the, the people are last. Like yeah. you can't take yourself or love yourself right. if you can, if you can't, or you can't love other people. I said that backwards. Yeah. If you can't love yourself first. Yeah. So I think you have to, um, you have to be very 
just weary and just, I guess, yeah. careful about that, in other words? I think so, too. I mean, even if you look at, like, scripturally, like, if you look at Jesus, Jesus obviously sacrificed his life for others. Jesus loved others. He healed others. But he also took times yeah. where he would actually retreat into the wilderness. And he yeah. would go, he would get on a boat, and he would uh, go to an undisclosed location, yeah. and he would go pray, and he would go rest, and he would go sit, and he would analyze, and he would take time to kind of be alone with himself and recharge. Yeah so that he could go back and help other people and serve other people. And that's the thing about the, the church. You know, I grew up in a Christian background. Yeah. I go to church every, uh, pretty much every Sunday yep. now, and I, I enjoy it, right? Yeah. But I want to I wanna be, it, I want to make it sustainable for me, right? Yep. I want to make sure that uh, I am taking those times to be alone. I'm taking those times to pray. I'm taking those times to, to enjoy being by myself, yeah. right? Solitude, and to your point, some words have these negative con uh, connotations where they shouldn't. Yeah. Solitude is another one, man. Like yep. being alone is not, doesn't have to be lonely. Yeah. I enjoy it. I yeah. enjoy reading a book. Yeah. I enjoy, you know, writing. I enjoy studying philosophy. Uh, and I love being around people too. But man, sometimes I just like, you know, being, being around with the, with the lights off and with a candle on yeah. and just with my own thoughts and, and my own spirit. And I yeah. think that's something a lot of people are losing is this idea we always have to be connected to people around yeah. us and we have to be on social media. Even when we're not physically around people, yeah. we have to be on our phones and, and technologically connected to people. And I just think sometimes we need to unplug. Yeah, and it's, expect, it's almost expected nowadays. Yeah. Um, and people don't like you being alone all by yourself. Right. Because they expect you to respond back to them and whatnot. Yeah. You said like being alone in your own thoughts. There's a quote by, I believe, Dr. Dr. Buss. Okay. Um, that says, when you fail, you ponder. When you succeed, you party. But oh. all great success comes from pondering. Okay. Um, and okay. that always made me think, because it's so true, like whether that's success or whatever you want to label yeah. that, when you ponder, that's what comes out best. That's where it's pondering. at. That's so it where it's at. Ideas, <laughs> your thoughts, and I, you know, I, it's kind of a piggyback to what you said. Yeah. But I truly believe that. Like, you have to be alone to think. Yes. Because when you're out and you're doing other things, you're not thinking, you're not functioning properly. Right. You don't have the thoughts, you don't have the uh, ability to analyze certain things. You know yep. what I mean? Like, what do you do? You know, even when you're like a little kid, yeah. sit in the corner, think about what you did. Right. <laughs> you, have you have to. You have to be Yeah, alone. you can't be in the mix. No. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's so important for people to be like, it's okay. Like, yep. it's okay to be alone. Yep. You know, it's okay to feel lonely at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's okay. Just sit down, but be happy with yourself. There it a lot is. of people don't want to be alone because they're not happy with themselves. They're scared of it too. Yeah. They're afraid. What is that going to look people, like? Yeah, I'm afraid yeah. of my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I think you need to be alone then. Yeah, right. 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 That goes back to those conversations. Like, yeah. You got to be ready to have those conversations with yourself. Yeah, they're the most important ones yeah. you'll have um, ever, I think. Because, like yeah. I said, that you can analyze yourself, you analyze other people, and you can yep. take it. You know what I mean? What, like, even me, I'm very quick to react. Been a lot of times still yeah. to this day where I react, I say something I should have. And as soon as I get up by myself and I calm down, I'm like, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Sure. But you can't do that in the middle. No one can think properly right. and analyze anything, yeah. but just in the moment. Yeah. So you have to just be like, all right, hold on. Let me, let me yeah. think what's, what I need to fix, what I need to do. So I don't do that. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's a battle and it's never, you're never going to stop. I'm That's never going to be like, yeah, I don't react fast anymore. Right. It's managing it, but it'll never go away. At least I think so. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and that's what I've had to learn too, because I've always got, like, gotten, even a little kid, I've been like this and stuff, a little kid. Always reactive, always hated it, and I think, as I got older, I, someone was like, it's never gonna go away, but you can manage it more. Yeah. Um, and honestly, even my youth leaders, they talked about, they were addiction, they're like, it's always there, but yeah. they learn to not have that, their identity in it. Sure. They learn to, that, that it might always still be there, because you can't cut off addiction, you can't cut right. off substance, you can't, whatever it is, you can't right. cut off. Right, that craving. It's always there. Yeah. But you just learn to, to, to live without it and realize yeah. that's not your identity. Yeah. So. 
That's true stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you, um, I couldn't imagine what writing a book was. Yeah. Right in the beginning, you said it took three years? Yeah, it took about three years, yeah. What does that look like? Because, um, so I'm very bad, um, I call it whiteboard thinking. Yeah. Because if I think of something, I have to write down instantly, or I have to say it. Or it just slips. It slips yeah. and it goes away. Like yeah. even like it, as I'm getting better at podcasting or whatnot, it happens yeah. all the time to me too. Yeah. So I'm trying to get better at being like, I just lost my question. Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of times where I'll be driving in the car because I drive to think. Yeah. Right? That's where my brain works. Sure. But as soon as I get home, I go. Right to the whiteboard. It's gone. Okay. But it sucks. So I, I call it whiteboard yeah. thinking in terms of yeah. whatever I'm at. If I'm at home and I have a whiteboard nearby, I'll just write down real quick. Yeah. Don't care about handwriting, language, spelling. Just write yeah, down. just save the idea. Save, save the idea. Yeah. So did you, do you struggle with that? Because if I wrote a book right now, I, that would be my biggest complaint. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that I struggle with from time to time. But I also try to give myself grace. Like if, and, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, but mm -hmm. if, if I've you know, come up with, with one good idea that I can use to reach teens and I lose that one, I'll probably come up with a different one that will yeah. also help teens, right? And I don't want to get locked in this place of, locked in this place of, oh, oh, I just forgot that idea, I just forgot that idea, you know, now I'm stuck. It's more of, okay, well, I had that. It might actually come back to me. And that, like a lot of times in class, you, I don't know if you remember this, but like students, you know, when you were in school, they'll have a question and they'll raise their hand and they'll be like, oh, I forgot my question. Yep. And I'm like, well, that's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll probably come back to you. And sometimes it will. And I'll take a sticky note to them, right? In some cases, kind of like what you do with a whiteboard and say, if it comes back to you, just write it down. But if it doesn't, what I've noticed about those students is that they continue to ask great questions. Even if that one didn't come to them, they, in the next lesson, five lessons, 10 lessons, they're still asking questions. They're still participating in the conversation okay. and they're still doing great work, you know? So, so from, don't get down on yourself. For, don't, don't. Okay. Cause that's harder yeah. for me. Cause I'm like, I had such a great idea or yeah. I wanted to ask him this question or yeah. whatever it is. Or, yeah. And I don't write it down. Yeah. And I think okay. that's probably where we may be similar is something, you know, that struggled for me was with lessons. Like I wanted to make sure it was perfect. Right. And if I got 90% of the lesson, right. But then I missed out on delivering one part correct or answering a question the right way or explaining something, I would just beat myself over the whole yeah. lesson, you know? And yeah. But you don't have to, you know, be at a hundred percent to be successful or to have an influence. You look at Michael Jordan in the flu game or the food poisoning yep. game or yep. whatever they call yep. it. Like he played with the flu. Yeah, it was like a championship game yeah. or it was a playoff game and he played with it and and he led his team to a victory. And he wasn't even close to a hundred percent. Like he was he was up the night before puking. So yeah. you know, just continuing to show up, continuing to try to have those ideas. For me the process was it was long, enjoyable, arduous, disappointing at times, exciting at other moments. Yeah. And it was just a whole mix, man. Just this whole melting pot of emotions and energies and you know what came out of it, I'm really pleased with. I love the art in the book. I think yeah. I did a decent job writing, but I think what is really selling the uh, the book Blaze Your Own Trail is the cover and then yeah. the artistic uh, impressions that make it more dynamic. So that was you? That, that was not me because I can't, okay. I can draw stick figures. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> okay. I was like, wow. I'm not, I'm okay. decent with words, but I, okay. I, 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 not me at all. Okay. Uh, a guy named Corey, uh, Corey Thomas, and he was born in Trinidad originally and oh, he okay. lives in Atlanta now and he's just got the gift of visualization and, yeah. and bringing it all to the paper and, uh, 
so I'm really pleased with that. And uh, even students and people that I've talked to, they, they, that's one of the first things they talk about is the art. You know, they don't necessarily talk about the words or the chapters. It's more like this image really resonated with me. The anxiety one is really cool. And uh, there's just a ton of pieces in there. So I'm happy with that. It was, like I said, a long process, man. Three years, yeah. you work with editors, you work with publicists, you work with um, different audiences who read your book, tell you what they feel like is working, what you need to change. and you really just have to be humble, yeah. uh, but determined throughout the whole process because it, it's not—it's not for the faint of heart, man. Like even the, so basically you make a book proposal first, and you have like a couple sample chapters, table of contents, you have your your biography, you have an, an audience that you're going to target to, and the first one I sent, they were like, mm, no, we're we're not completely interested, uh, but revise it, make some changes, we'll consider it. Same thing for the second proposal. Same thing for the third proposal. And then the fourth one, they were finally like, all right, we got okay. a deal. So we'll do they have sign. the final say in, in the book? They have a lot of say, Or yeah. if you want to go with that company, they do. Yes. If okay. you go with that company, Sorry, they, yeah, no, that was a good, great okay. question. Uh, they have, uh, they have a, really the ultimate say in the book, which okay. I, I'm honestly happy with because I'm, I may be decent as a writer, but I don't know the whole industry. Yeah. And I don't know, uh, you know, the, I don't know who the artist is that they're going to find. I don't know. Uh, so many things about the field. So yeah. I, I'm okay with not making a lot of money or any money on the book yeah. if it means a better polished product that's going to help readers. So you make, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but as, I heard it's, yeah, it's pretty low. It's I like 10, it's low, like 10 yeah. to 15%. So if you want to build low, yeah. don't build a book. Yeah, yeah exactly. Don't, don't exactly. It's a, a passion project yeah. for sure, man. That's exactly what they you say. Make, yep. You make like a buck or $2 off of each <laughs> copy, man, that's sold. But, uh, and then a lot of that, I'm, I'm really funneling back into my classroom, my students, buying free copies for uh, my, my students who can't afford them. And then I wanna give to some different charities and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a powerful experience. I don't know how many more I have left in me, maybe one or two, but really? yeah, it was, it was cool, man. It was cool. Awesome. Yeah. So do you, um, I mean, I, I couldn't, how do you structure that? Like, into, yeah. for instance, like, um, I know some people have a goal of I want to write a thousand words a day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Were you like that, or um, those are also people who don't have a wife and kids? Like, right, you also right. have a wife and kids that are like <laughs> you can't stand inside quiet. For yeah. However long, like what right. was that like for you? And was yeah. did they impact your writing at all on the sure. book? So you got to kind of win the mornings, or at least for me. Like you got to kind of win the mornings, especially on the weekends before the kids get up, before before we start running errands or playing any games or anything. Like it's an hour or two hours on the weekends. Also, deadlines are good for me. Like I I'm a procrastinator when it comes to certain things so it's like I had to I have all these ideas but I work so slowly with them until I get close to the deadline and then it's like I have to put them on paper I get that. yeah so so it forced me I think Hamilton Lin-Manuel Miranda was the same way man he was he was like written like two or three songs like a couple years in and they were like you got to meet this deadline and just he he just had this flood of of ideas and songs that came to fruition but uh yeah for me man it was a it was an interesting process. I would say the summer I spent a lot of time writing uh, because I had my time off. I yep. work work at a summer camp, but I'd still have some time off on top of that. The nights before bed and uh, just casually reading and casually like listening to audiobooks when I'm driving, really, really maximizing the time when I'm not around my wife, not around my kids, not around my friends yeah. was probably <clears throat> a helpful, helpful way to, okay. to do that. So, okay. yeah. Nice. Yeah, we, um, you, uh, so, well, let me ask you that. We were talking, or you were mentioned in the, writing the book um, about, um, 
I lost my train of thought. Right? Nihilism, or was it? No, I didn't. Oh, know. Okay, <laughs> you're good. Lost my train. You're of good. Thought It'll come back to you. Let me give yeah. you a sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. You said um, some. I can't remember what you yeah. said. I'm not even gonna lie. You're good. Froze today. You're good. Because I was overthinking that yeah. conversation. That's, That's what I okay. do. I'll think in my next question. Yep. And it leaves. You've got more questions, man. You got more great questions. No, I know. <laughs> there was one that resonated with me. I think it was about um, like doing it all at once. Like, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah. Because like I do that all the time. Sure. Like I'll get ready, um, or I lose. It's almost inspiration. I'm very like inspirational heavy. Yeah. Like I need something. I need a phrase or a motivational quote to spark me. Sure. Because that gets me going. Like Marcus yeah. Aurelius quote. It's not like I'm using him to do my next project, but right. if I'll read a quote, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, and I go into that. Yeah. Um, or that's how I script the videos. Yeah. Like I don't like to script things, but I need one quote, and then I can just talk. Sure. So is that what you, does that happen to you, or like? Yeah. No, I love that. I think motivation is great. I think discipline is even more powerful, right? Because discipline is, is you do what you need to do even when you're not motivated, right? Uh, so there's a lot of times in writing when I was not motivated to write, but it just had to be done. It just had to be done. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how long it's gonna take. I just have to sit down with that paper. Uh, Ryan Holiday says it, you know, yep. one, one shitty He's page great. a day, one shitty page a day, <laughs> yep. man, and you're gonna <laughs> yep. have a book. Eventually it's gonna turn into yeah. a book. So uh, for me it was that, but it was also um, taking some time and actually going different to different places where I didn't have the stress of teaching or you know just the stress of everyday life like when we were at the Outer Banks uh, we were at the beach it was the first uh, week after school had ended and I was with family I was with friends I was really yeah I was with all that and that's where I got the the idea for the anxiety chapter which has been one of the more popular ones and helpful ones for for readers but it just I was walking on the beach I was working out I had my, my waist with me my weighted vest and it's like the ideas just flowed man like I just found my vibe in that in that space in that moment so I think sometimes you got to have the discipline you grind, I got to grind it out in your everyday life and I think other times you need to escape and retreat into a quiet place and really that retreat is more of an advance for your creativity and okay. your innovation Okay, yeah. so how, how, what um, tips would you give to somebody? Like even if, for instance, if me, if I asked you, yeah, because um, I have thoughts that are great, yeah, and then there's, but I, which you know, I can, I write, I'm great there, mm -hmm. but when it's the sit down and the discipline part, I mm -hmm. lack because when I have discipline, I feel like I'm in my head and I'm not getting the thoughts and questions out yeah. of my head. How you deal with that? Because I struggle. Like I'll literally just, I won't do it. Yeah, I have this. I get on my okay. laptop and I'm like. I don't have inspiration. Like I don't have it. I hate relying on inspiration. Yeah. Because it makes being disciplined hard. Yeah. When you're like, I have to get it done anyways. Okay. I'm very like. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> so, was there any tips that if you dealt with yeah. it, that you can give? So, um, there's a great book. I think it's by Daniel Pink, and I think it's called When. And he talks about like the idea of of structuring when you are going to be be disciplined with some of your work and when you're going to be uh, creating your creative work. So you and I might be different because you're younger, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, you're, you're younger. I'm almost 40. Okay. Uh, so my creative time comes in the morning, right? And that's when I can easily be disciplined with my writing. Uh, because when I wake up, like my mind's clear, I'm ready to go. Okay. A young person like you, according to Daniel Pink's book is probably, uh, not like an owl, but more like uh, a lark or more, more like an owl, less like a lark. Okay. So your creative activity and your creative space would be better served at night, 
right? Or in the evening when you get home from work or, you know, when you're, you're doing this in the afternoons. So I think figuring okay. out not you as a human, but you as almost like a metaphorical animal in that book, where is your best creative space? What two to three hour time span? And then in places where you have to be disciplined, you have to get this page done for that day do it within those creative two or three hours because mm, uh, you, yeah, your innovation and your, 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 your brain length and your, your, your mind width is gonna be much stronger, much bigger, much better in that space. For me, if I try to sit down and write a page after a long, exhausting day yeah. of teaching and you know it's 8.30 or 9.30 at night and I sit at the table, I don't know. I agree. I'll be like you, like, like, like you okay. said, like I would, I would really struggle with that and it would take me much longer, but I can carve out and create that page in 30 minutes to an hour. If I wake up at seven in the morning for me, weird. for you, it's going to be, no, I, yeah. no, that's definitely, it's weird. Cause now, you know, now that you have this, you know, you talking and kind of, and I get yeah. to think about it. So I'm a big on winning mornings. Oh, okay. Um, like currently me, my twin and my best friend. Okay. Um, we wake up at four 30. So you might be a lark then. Well, it's you weird. Might, yeah. Well, well, yeah. When you said it. It's weird. Cause it's like, I wake up at four 30, I go to the gym. Um, and I'm tired the other day. You're like, yeah, yeah I'll go home for, yep. but last night as I was preparing for today, I was up at nine and my brain was sharp. I moved yeah. and I wasn't, but I'm tired and I can't continue to be wake up okay. sleep, or uh, work past nine. Okay. Um, so it went, you know, now that I can kind of see it through a third eye or a third lens. Yeah. I do work better at night in just yeah. terms of like my brain. I can more focus because yep. it's quiet the and I'm, just, I'm out, but yep. I'm tired because I believe in winning mornings and I'm not good at doing my morning routine at night. Sure. I can't go to the gym at night. I won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. So like you want to do, you want to, uh, and I think what the book suggests is that you want to do for me, the paperwork, right? The mundane paperwork where you don't really have to think like okay. if this kid turned it in, I'm putting a, you know, I'm putting this grade, uh, I'm answering these emails. I don't really have to think about what I'm saying. It's so just robotic. My mm -hmm. brain by this time has got that figured out. That stuff I do in the afternoon, evening or at night. Okay. The morning stuff is the creative stuff for me. So, oh, I see what you yeah. Mean. Okay, so okay. like for you, like if, you if you're, if you're more robotic and you already have a system in place where you can work out without having to think, you can do that anytime throughout the day. Like for you, it might be, that might be winning the mornings for you is doing the doing your workout in the morning but when i when i say winning the morning or winning the night like for you it's really winning winning your your creative hour winning your creative block that's good you yeah. know that's what you mean so it's so, not necessarily it has to be at those times yeah just, okay but like you said you can structure them you can structure if you're more creative at night then do yeah. that and then you're more robotic work and vice yeah versa. yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah okay yeah because like i said i was like i had to send out emails i sent out probably like 30 emails Right. And I was writing them up and it was just, I was at night. I was just gone. I put like, um, I actually went on Apple music and I typed in relaxed, chill hip hop beats. There you go. And do they have that? They do. Okay. It's amazing. It's, okay. it's, not, it's not like, like jazz. It's, it's hip hop beats, but very relaxed. Mm -hmm. I'll send it to the playlist. It okay. will honestly, cause you're like hip hop beats. What? Yeah. No, not what you're thinking. Lo-fi, like low. Lo-fi, okay. just like low drums. It wasn't loud. It was relaxing. Okay. Just a modern take. I like it. It was very relaxing. Like yeah. you were listening to jazz. It was Did great. it put you to sleep? It got me focused. Okay. Because okay. I uh, I get very um, like I said I I uh, when I get excited and I talk fast. If I listen to good music, I get very like excited. Yeah. When I listen to high music, like yep. I realize when I drive, um, I I'm very distracted. Like not necessarily on the phone, but I'm just very yeah. like in my thoughts. I have like eighteen hundred thoughts. It feels like coming sure. in and out. Sure. When I put on a podcast, and the music and the hurts and everything is not up. Yeah. I can focus. Like I drive and I'm just yeah. 
I stare and I just focus. Yeah. But as soon as music gets on, like I'm literally like looking around, adjusting my shirt. I'm talking really fast. I'm yeah. thinking what I'm thinking. Like, so I realized like I got to put on that chill beat. Yeah. So it didn't put it's, me to sleep, but it slowed my mind down. I love it, man. And as you get older, you figure out what works for your brain, what works yeah. for your spirit and what doesn't. And, and then you just, you know, you find your flow. So it sounds like you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. It's, it's hard. But like I said, you just got to know yourself and then eventually you'll get yep. better. So, um, when I was reading about you, it said you're a public speaker, mm -hmm. motivational speaker, yeah. keynote speaker, you name it. You've done yeah. everything. <laughs> um, I know that that is the number one biggest fear to people, Yeah, which is crazy. And I can't say it's not mine. I was talking to my mom about it and I was yeah. like, I'm telling him about you. I was like, yeah. I'm super excited to interview him. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, but he's a speaker, so I kind of like made me nervous because like, I'm going to mess up. And um, I was telling her, I was like, but I got to realize in my head that this is just a way for me to be relaxed, that yeah. speaking is um, it's not a talent. That's why I tell myself to yeah. calm myself down. Like I don't yeah. gotta hit a certain note. I'm not singing. Yeah, it's 100 percent a talent. But I tell myself it's not <laughs> to be like no one's gonna be like, oh, yeah, you lisped, or, <laughs> you stuttered, or you talked too fast. Right. Like, I don't think it's that critiqued, even though it it is. Yeah. But I tell myself it's not to relax myself. Sure. So how was that being a public speaker? Yeah. I know that was a long. No, that's a, that's. Trip, I think that's a neat strategy to to use is to, is to kind of have that conversation back with your mind, like we were talking earlier. For me, when I when I first started speaking, man, it it was not, uh, it was not strong at all. Like I was yeah. I was mediocre at best and very nervous, very anxious. Yeah. I let that anxiety, you know, kind of hold that conversation in my brain. But I just kept showing up and kept doing it. Yeah. And then you you still get nervous. There's still a sense of anxiety. Like I just had a speech a few weeks ago and I was super nervous before and that doesn't end, but you learn how to roll with the punches as a speaker. Okay. Uh, there, there were, you know, I, I love the event that I was at. I love the group, but we had some technical issues playing one of the videos. The audio wasn't working. And I think it, when I first started, I would have like, totally locked up. I would yeah, totally right. let it bomb the speech, but you know, I just uh, I just played it off. I I was gonna do the Rights Rights Baby video. I was gonna actually show. Okay. I don't you, you know you remember the Rights Rights yeah. Baby music video, and I was gonna show that to the audience, but uh, the video wouldn't play because the the Wi-Fi wasn't working well. So uh, I was like, oh, uh, like what do I do? Like do I just yeah. keep on going with my speech? This wasn't in the script. <laughs> this was not in the script. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do the first verse live. Okay. And I just did it live, like okay. in front of the whole audience, and then the audience went crazy they clapped and it ended up being better than it would have probably been with just a video yeah. playing and I think as a speaker you have to be willing to roll with the punches when things go wrong and you got to know that you, you got to keep your chin up if you stutter if you have a lisp if you don't explain something very clearly or you have a misstep like it's not the end of yeah. your presentation it's not the end of the race it's not the end of the game you got to keep playing on man uh, you know Three, three bad shots and one great shot still makes par. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing in speaking. For me, I try to take a lot of breaths when I'm speaking because it's natural for uh, people when they get nervous to try to say um and ah yeah, a lot. A lot. Like, <laughs> no, no, you've done great. But just to feel that, that nervousness, people will do that. And so I'll try to work with my breath a little bit and just take a breath uh, between sentences, between phrases even you know between stories so yeah. that's something i work on uh and i also try to really make sure that 
I'm always asking for feedback from okay. the people in the audience and from the organizers. You know, always stay humble, always make sure that you have a quiet confidence about you, but always be opening to change. A, a few years ago, I had kind of reached my stride in public speaking. I had traveled and then I was at a, a home event in Charlotte, okay. like 300 people in the crowd, oh, wow. mostly teachers and I felt like, I, not, not to boast, but I felt really, really great about the presentation and I nailed it, man. I just, I just, I knew exactly what I was talking about. I knew yeah. the lines to hit. I knew the song to sing. And when I was coming off stage, I got my first standing ovation. Nice. People were clapping and screaming. And then the organizer, I sat right beside the organizer and she passed me a note. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to say great work. So yeah. proud of you, something like that. And she says, Justin your pants are unzipped. <laughs> zip, up your, zip up your pants. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I had gone to the bathroom before and like I didn't oh even, like I, I didn't even, didn't even, I was so nervous. I didn't even think, you know, why yeah, is it enough to zip my pants up? So the whole presentation was, oh, no. you know, and uh, so there's, you have to, you have to, you have to, you <laughs> have to be funny. open. You gotta be open to change. You gotta yeah. be, no matter when you think you've made it, you can always grow as a speaker. Yeah. No matter how bad you are, no matter how great you are, you can always improve. So take yeah. it every take every speech is look, I'm gonna try to help these people in the audience and I'm also gonna help like kind of concrete and sharpen up my message a little bit. And yeah. it's a win-win. It's a win for me, it's a win for them. And uh, there's no, I'm playing with house money. There's nothing to lose here. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. meant uh, yeah. kind of like rolling with the punches. Yeah. I, uh, whether I edit out my little blank spot I had there <laughs> or not, I uh, was kind of talking to myself. I was at, at an event right before here. Yeah. It was like a business event. There was probably like 15, 20 business owners there. Okay, cool. Introducing kind of like just a network event. Yeah. And um, I just came from that. And as I was there, I was kind of telling them, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm all in or not. Yeah. So that's what I am. Yeah. And I'm not a warm, you know, you hear people be like, you know, if you, you know, need to read your lines, talk in front of family. I, can't, I could not do that right. because it's a small crowd. Sure. And it doesn't get my nerves out when there's 300 people there. Right. So I just have to jump into it. That's you how I've do, always man. been. Like, yeah. I can't warm myself up and then go to a right. bigger crowd. If I can yeah. take on a big crowd, I can take on anything now. This is true. If I take on a small crowd, I can't take on a big crowd. So you're still going to have okay. that nervous feeling. Sure. At least for me, like, that's how I am. Sure. Um, so I was kind of like, I was, you know, debating my first podcast and I was speaking. And I was like, I think I'm just going to let the mess ups go. Yeah. Because if I try, and I was telling the event this um, to, the, earlier this morning, yeah. I was like, because if I try to make it so perfect, try to be so perfect, yeah. I'm never going to get better. Sure. Because I know I can always edit it out. Absolutely. But if I just let him go, let the critique, oh, this guy stuttered, oh, he messed up, oh, he froze for 20 seconds on camera, that's so embarrassing. Right. And I was like, I'll actually get better. And realize, yeah. like, first of all, they're just opinions, who cares? Sure. And don't you think like it connects more with the audience when it's real and true? Yeah. Because we all had those experiences where yeah. we, we think of a thought and then we just freeze, but you talked your way up from that. And yeah. you, you didn't put your head down, you didn't turn off the camera. Right. So to me, that speaks more of like your resilience oh, you. uh, as an interviewer and as a, as a reporter, you know, whatever you would like to refer to yourself as, yeah. as opposed to, oh, you know, they, they just, they're not intelligent because they just forgot their thoughts. Yeah. I think you might think that in the moment, yeah. but everybody else in the audience is like, okay, he's, he's, he, he forgot his thought, but he's gonna, he's gonna bounce yeah. back. And then you did. Yeah, I, so I to me, I think that. you should keep it. You know, okay, I think you should yeah. keep it. Cause I it's real, it's it. raw, it's raw. <laughs> it's like, it's raw though, you, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I've had those moments too, but yeah. audiences will become more empathetic with you and also connected with you because they see you're a real person. Right. Uh, the screen kind of loses its grandeur when, yeah. you know, it's just one 
one guy just being his true self and struggling yeah. just like we all struggle. Yeah, everyone struggles at the end of the day, and I yeah. think it's okay to admit that. Yeah. It sucks. Like I said, I, I felt so stupid. You should. I was like, I, was like, I have two questions I'm going to ask them, and they're going to be should. great questions. And then I was like, yeah, we just talked about this. Like, I it's lost my good. train of thought. It's all good. Like, man, you know, I can't even go back and reference. What was I going to talk Even, about? like, know. the greatest actors <laughs> of all time, man, think about how many cuts they have to go through yeah. to perform this phenomenal right. movie or this TV show. Yeah. Even singers, you know, they, they take it over and over 100%. again. Yeah. They have so, all that practice. They do. Yeah, but I mean, the saying practice makes perfect, so it's not yeah. a joke. And yeah. that's why I was so like, yeah, I'm just going to make it raw because that's not, uh, that's like a crutch almost. Sure. And I feel like, like I've never public spoke, spoken before. Uh, it's the first time. Last week was the first time I've been on camera. Yeah. So I don't have that reference to go back to. But if I had to, and I did have your experience, I feel like these are the moments where I'm like, I'm better now because of it. Right. Because I don't always rely on it. Sure. I don't always rely on like, you know, taking that, being in front of a crowd and being like, oh, I messed yep. up. Um, so, bud? Hey, this is Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say hi. You want to be interviewed, Peaches? <laughs> She's a sweet one. Yeah, you're good. Um, so I don't really have many topics. We talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, but I did want to kind of like get like the baseline um, about like faith. Mm -hmm. Is that a big thing for you? Yeah. Um, just in terms of like with everything you've gone through, like did you always, in times of where you felt like no one was there? Yeah. Did you always have that? So I think I had that from a young kid. I think my earliest memories as a kid was my grandfather. He had these big bottleneck glasses okay. and uh, I remember as a kid my, my bedroom my bed was right beside one of the house windows and I remember him knocking on my door knocking on my window and and saying you know it's time for church let's get up it's time to go and he would he just would keep knocking until <laughs> I finally yeah, got up I and know. got dressed so as a kid I was always involved with with church and um, as a young man I've kind of uh, filtered in and out between yeah. Christianity. I've also kind of uh, researched Buddhism and practiced, you know, Buddhist uh, philosophies and mm -hmm. techniques for the breath and for suffering, and then even Stoicism, yeah. which is more of like a life philosophy yep. than a religion. So, I when people ask. I, I get a lot of strange looks, but I'm like, I'm, I'm a Christian Buddhist stoic. And they're like, <laughs> you know what? Like, but I guess I've had a lot of trauma. I've had a lot of experiences yeah. growing up as a young man where in a sense, maybe you could say I was so messed up. I needed Jesus. I needed Buddha and I needed Marcus Aurelius. You know what I mean? Like, I needed all three yeah. in their own way. And uh, I, th I think that they've all been helpful for me. And I'm trying trying to uh, still maintain my faith while also having questions. I have a lot of questions about Christianity, yeah. but I'm still going to church. I'm still reading the Bible and I'm still praying. Uh, I don't really understand certain aspects of, of yeah. Buddhism and of reincarnation, yeah. but I also see the see the power in Tonglen, which is the belief that you you breathe in suffering and you breathe out loving kindness to other people, That's right? Really good. Wow. So, yeah. and then with Stoicism, you know, there there are some darker parts to it, uh, where some people feel that it's emotionless, but for me, it's it's helped me kind of tailor my logic and reasoning and my ration to my emotions because when I was young I was a highly emotional person yeah. that uh, philosophy teaches me how to have more grit more resilience yeah. more strength in those highly emotional times and how my negative thoughts actually serve me in a yeah. way like um, premeditation right. malorum is like a big one which is visualizing the negative possible impacts of the future so uh seeing all of the darker things that can happen in your life and that's good i actually like that a lot and when i was younger it's like no no, no positive thoughts think happy thoughts you know all you know 
law of attraction, positive thoughts, and the Stoics come along, they're like, no, 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 no. Think like the darkest thoughts that you can yeah. possibly think, plan for them, prepare for them completely, and if they happen, you're, you're ready for it. Yep. If they don't happen, you have the peace now of just living in the neutral or living a more happy, joyous life. So actually the yeah. Stoics were really happy people uh, and really joyful people because they allow temporarily their depression or the anxiety or whatever, their fears to come into play and say, okay, this is what could happen. This is what I do, or this is what I have in control. This is how I can can influence and can control this situation to an extent. Everything else I can't control. And now that I've dealt with that darkness, let me kind of move myself right. back into the light. And that's what Marcus Aurelius did yep. so well. That's what Epictetus did so well. Seneca, these guys had tremendous pain, man. I think yeah. Marcus Aurelius buried like yep. nine of his kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was Seneca, or Epi it was Epictetus who actually had his leg broken by a slave owner. And, yeah. and yet these guys found a way to move forward and create their own path. So if they can do this, then I've learned in my life, I can do that with addiction. I can do that yeah. with mental illness. I can do that with the death of my father. I can still still carve this path forward with, yeah. with grit and resilience and strength. Uh, so, you know, back to the question, it's Christianity for me, <clears throat> it's Buddhism for me, it's Stoicism for me, yeah. and <clears throat> I, I'm, that's, I'm a hybrid. Yeah. I'm weird like that, but, no. you know, that's, that's where I'm at. No, I think that's very important. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've talked about the whole time, having an open mind, because yeah. you can get wisdom is just someone's life experience pouring on you. Yeah. But a wise person is the one who was it considers a council of many. Council of many. Um, yeah. So you can get wisdom from anybody. You can get yeah. wisdom, but that guy's not a wise person though. Right. Well, yeah, because everyone has experience and things that they could tell you. Yeah. No matter who you are, everyone has it. That, that's wisdom. That's true. But a wise person is someone who can see everything. That's why you see like, whether it's Christians or anybody, or even a religious, a lot of religious battles between each other because of people, well, one people want to think this way. But I think it's, whether you want to believe in that or not, um, you have to have, you have to under, sit down with somebody and understand why they think like that. Yep. So whether it's Buddhist, like why are Buddhists that, like this? What do they yeah. believe in? Uh, you're just, yet again, one, one mind thinking. Sure. You don't understand it, you're sure. always right. You're, you, you don't have accountability, you yeah. have nothing. Um, and you need to be, you need to have the, you know, counsel of many. I There's agree. different perspectives. That's I, where analyzing comes from. I love that. And I think that's where a lot of people miss out, right? Yeah. If you're black and white thinking all the time, like this is right, this is wrong, these people are right, these people are wrong, you tend to miss out on a lot. Yeah. You miss out, to your point, on a lot of wise thinking, a lot of knowledge. And when you open yourself up and you say, hey, there are some gray nuanced areas here. I can be a Christian and also read about the Buddha. I can practice Buddhist philosophy yeah. and also read uh, you know, Marcus Aurelius and his meditations. If, when you do those things, like you're just, you're just taking it all in, man, and you're yeah. processing it and you're just, it's, you're much stronger. It's like a, yeah. it's like a soldier who has uh, a shield mm -hmm. against a soldier who has a shield a bow, an arrow, and a sword. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I look at philosophy and religion. Like I have all these weapons to protect me from all these demons uh, and to, to try to fight for the better, better angels of my nature. Yep. And uh, that's the goal, man. That's the goal. Yeah, I mean, our whole conversation has been kind of like intertwined. Yeah. Um, but I, I like, so we talked about it. Like, I like psychology, philosophy. Yep. But um, I like psychology because I think it, um, it lets you not have an excuse. Um, yeah. There's a lot of excuses on why people act certain ways, yeah. or they have excuses. I think psychology strips that. Like, there's reason why kids act like this, or parents yeah. act like this, or people in general act like that. Yeah. I think psychology kind of strips it. 
Yeah. And I think that's a hard pill to stomach, which is why a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Or I don't want to go to a psychologist. Why? Because he's going to tell you your issues. Mm -hmm. And, he, and, and what you can work on. What and you what can, can fix. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to know. I don't like psychology or anything because yeah. you don't want to admit it, right? Yeah. Like when you listen to all that stuff, you told you um, what's wrong. Yeah. Same people, like people don't want to admit change. They don't want to admit change because they have to realize yeah. that they're, they're messed up. Sure. You know what and I mean? <laughs> they, need, they need to do something about it immediately, right? Yeah. It's the ownership, it's the accountability piece that you're right. A lot of people, they just don't want to stomach, right? And, and I understand like some people have had really, really challenging childhoods. Yeah. You know, if anybody under gets it, it's me. Some people have been you know, molested, yep. sexual abuse. Uh, some people, you know, haven't been close to one parent or another yeah. parent. They've had a child die. So I understand all those things, but it is our responsibility to do what we can uh, within those storms, right? Yeah. Within those storms. You talked about the eagle flying into the storm and, and it's natural for many of us to want to fly away and to want us to escape. Yeah. But uh, I think the, the true warriors are the people who, who are willing, willing to go into that and still fight for your life, fight for your yeah. future, fight for your family, fight for your health, even when it's a, a Spartan situation, even when yep. it's 300, you know, 300 Spartans against, you know, this yeah. gigantic army at the Battle of Thermopylae, you just have to have that Spartan mindset yep. and say, whether I win or lose this, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. Right. You know? I think it's okay to take time with it too. Sure. You know what I mean? Cause even like I said, there's people that have been through traumatizing things. I think it's okay to sit down realize, analyze and be like, it's okay that I'm here, but I can't be here forever. Right. Um, like I've seen situations where like people's parents die. Um, like I said, everything you listed and they never change in yeah. just terms of like, that's, they never get better right and it's being like you know it sounds almost sick like i feel i hate saying it because you people are probably like what the heck yeah but it's uh it's just not moving forward almost it's sure. always being here sure um and that causes so much issues internally yeah. too um is not being like moving forward and moving forward doesn't mean forget moving forward doesn't right. mean any of that right i mean just moving forward and learning how to cope and just bring on their legacy or whatever it is yes to you you know what i mean people think you know forgive and forget like that's not what we're doing that's not yeah. what moving forward means sure it's going forward with them but not sitting in the deep darkness that you're in. Right. Instead of being upset that this happened, almost celebrating life. Absolutely. You know, positive every negative, and yet yeah, might sound weird to some people. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true. I agree with that, and I think that's one of the dangers of grief. I know with my dad for a while, like the, it, it was really challenging for the first few months to move forward. Yeah. Uh, and over time, what I've learned is 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 on the path. You know, I'm building him a statue. I'm building him a monument. I'm building a structure that honors him yeah. with the way that I'm living my life now as a father. Uh, when he was a dad for me and for our, our kids, for Cole and Savannah, and for my wife, Samantha, he was like the most giving person yeah. when it came to Christmas and birthdays. And actually he would come to our house every Thursday and he would just come with a gift for the kids every single okay. time, every single Thursday. Really? That's why I think he worked, you know, was he worked after he retired to, to, to give gifts. Yeah. And so every Christmas now and every birthday for our kids, like I'm just, just given so much more than I used to give where before it was one nice gift or one one right. thoughtful present now I'm uh, I'm overloading them with with these things that are making them smile and it's not just about the physical possessions it's it's more about the loving kindness and the, and the sacrifice and the fact that I'm doing this because this is what my dad did for me and my kids and now it's my turn like yeah. it was like my dad died like tag like yeah, you're right. you're it there right. is no more like looking up to a father right. you are now the father to be looked up to right. by your kids right. and you are that it's man and it is it is a hard lonely place to step into that yeah. 
But man, it's also empowering. It's also empowering to know that the voice of my father, to know that the, that the, the courage that he lived in this life is helping carry me forward on my path. Yeah. Uh, and when I get lonely, I look back at those monuments that I built for him. I look back at those statues and those memories of my father, and they keep moving me forward towards my path and towards the, the virtuous course, course that I'm trying to yeah. set for myself. But I can't stay back there, man. Right. You know, I just can't. Right. Yeah, imagine stepping up hard. I'm not a dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not yet. Yeah. But I can't imagine like yeah. the feeling like I'll probably like I should say probably when I yeah. when I'm a dad I'll be like, Oh my dad really did do a lot. Yeah. You know, my dad's out working right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he was he's done so much and yeah. I have never not in his shoes, so I don't know. I can sure. just you know, I can visually see it and be like, Oh, he's done a lot. Yeah. But I think knowing that he's done a lot and experiencing what he's done is different. Sure. You get to experience when it's your turn. You really do. Because I can understand, man, my dad works a lot. Yeah. But I really don't know what it's like to support a household. Right. And F everyone's issues. Yeah. On, like, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> on top I, of like a full-time job. Yeah, full-time yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. You're always worrying about other people. Yeah. So like, you, obviously you worry about your kids. Like, I don't yeah. know what any of that's like. I just right. worry about me and that's not a selfish thing. It's just, I don't have yeah. that. I'm still worried about my family, but I don't have that lineage. That, sure. That tree that I'm like, I got to worry about anybody else. Sure. And I can imagine even when you're a grandpa, it's even harder. It's a whole other level. Yeah. Like, my, my kids and their kids. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I think that's one of the things that you get to look forward to going on and living yeah. life. Um, and just bringing those moments and just being like how far you've came or what yeah. you've experienced and just sitting back at the end of the day being like, I'm good. For like, sure. You know what I mean? Like sitting back and, you know, your dad knows it, but sitting back and him being like, yeah. oh, he's taking it on. Yeah. Like he didn't sit here and stop here. Right. You know, and he wouldn't watch you to either. Right. He's glad that you're like, he's doing it. You're spot on with that. And that's what it took me a long time to realize is my dad is, you know, I'm sure my dad would be okay with, with me being sad and crying from time to time, yeah. but he doesn't want me to be locked in depression. He doesn't want me to be locked into grief. He wants me to focus on my health, my kids, my wife, my friends, and my life, you know? Yeah. And there's things that, um, other things that I know that he wanted for me to get back to playing basketball, which I've been doing, and yeah. get so back into church. Yeah, I'm worried about dunking on the, the seven foot goal. Yeah, you gotta lower it a little bit. Give me a trampoline. Okay. Give me a trampoline. Yes. I can spring these shoes. <laughs> exactly. I got like a three inch vertical, man, but Same. it's okay. It's all good. But uh, but yeah, man. I think I think that that looking at the grief from from his perspective yeah. as opposed to my perspective, and making sure that I didn't. I didn't try to lock him in this box of, of love where like I needed my dad to be around longer and forever. Maybe there was a part of my dad, you know, he, he had some, some physical issues that he was dealing with. Maybe there was a part of him that was ready to go on and right. ready, ready to go to heaven and ready to, ready to see his parents. And to look at it from his perspective, he did everything he could for me. He did everything, gave everything he could to, to my sister and, yeah. and my kids and, and my wife. And, and, and he's, he's moved on. And that's his story. That's his path. And, 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 and I, I speak well to that. And I yeah. bless that. And, and, uh, and I'm going to create continue to craft my own path forward yeah. without him by my side. But I know he's still in my heart and I know he's still in my spirit and yep. uh, that's, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I love it, man. We've talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have anything else. Um, yeah. I think we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, the impact you have on a lot of people Thanks. is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like I said, there's people like me, I openly told you because yeah. uh, I found you on social media, but realistically, yeah. if I never found you on social media, yeah. you don't, you never knew the impact you had on me. Yeah. And I think that's the good thing. Like there's people that you know you impacted and there's yeah. people that you'll never know. Sure. That, especially with this book. Yeah. I don't know how many copies you sold or how many you've made or whatever, yeah. um, but the fact that it's, it's a spider web, people that are probably not going to personally message you, but like, you know, this book yeah. impacted me or whatever. 
Um, I just, I really appreciate it for everything. Um, I will link everything down below. Okay. Your socials, your book, everything. Cool. So Thank you. So can follow it. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate you, man. It was an honor to be your teacher. You were an yeah. amazing student. Thank you. And you've grown up to be an amazing young man. And uh, this was a joy to do. I'm really, really grateful and thankful for the opportunity. So stay in touch, man. Of course. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Of course. <laughs>